Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes, it's finally time. Welcome back to UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener right here. Back with you for episode 67 of UAP, and I'm so happy to be back with you finally to do this episode, Whistleblowers, Astronaut and NASA Disclosures. This is something I've been looking forward to doing for a while, actually, because we're going to to discuss a subject that I, I really have always found this really compelling when you talk about witness testimony. It doesn't get much better for me than NASA officials or astronauts, people who have actually been in space And we're going to talk about what some people say is the truth behind what NASA may be hiding when it comes to alien life and what also the astronauts have been to space, what they are saying about all that as well. So we're going to go into all that here today on episode 67. But before we do, you know, we always have to go into the factoid. And I've I've got this is more of like a discussion, I think, than a factoid. But nevertheless, here we go. Factoid. I think I, I'm still haven't decided on that. I might I might do away with that sounder. I'm not sure. But like I said, for this edition of our factoid, I thought we should discuss what took place uh, back on April 19th, with the, which is as of now as recording this, um, just almost a week ago when it came to the congressional hearings, uh, where you had the AARO talking about the UAP. And UFO phenomenon, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who is the, uh, I guess you could say, the the head of the AARO. This is something that the UAP UFO community has been, or is highly anticipated, I should say, within the community, talking about, you know, when is this hearing going to happen? When is is, uh, Sean Kirkpatrick going to sit down in front of this congressional testimony and talk about the findings from AARO, which, by the way, stands for the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. I hate the government names. I mean, honestly, it's like these long, confusing names. I think they do it intentionally, just so you don't pay attention, really, but that's just my theory. The AARO, or Arrow for short, they're the ones, in short, who are looking into aliens, okay? They're, they're the government, the official government entity that's looking into UFOs and aliens and things of that nature, so... Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick finally sat down during the congressional hearing to disclose what his investigations and his department's investigations into the phenomena have found. And again, this is back on April 19th, but I wanted to kind of rehash what happened there if you if you missed it, um, because it may or may not be what you expected to hear during the hearing. Here's a bit of that to start off. I should also state clearly for the record that in our research, Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics. In the event sufficient scientific data were ever obtained that a UAP encountered can only be explained by extraterrestrial origin, we are committed to working with our interagency partners at NASA to appropriately inform U.S. government's leadership of its findings. All right, I'm sorry, but that does... Did that not sound like just someone who 
had a script in front of them and was ready to read it and was just kind of, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to read this here. This is what I was told to read. I'm just going to read this for you. Then it just sounded so, you know, disinterested, I guess is the best way I can put it. Didn't really sound like he cared what he was saying or even really what he believed he was saying. I don't know. It just sounded like he was saying what he had to say. That was my takeaway from it. Because when he talks about, by the way, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who you heard there, is known as the government UFO chief because he's the head of this Aero division looking into the UFO UAP phenomena, you know, officially from the U.S. government. So he's he's the guy. He is the one that's, you know, is the go-to guy that is supposed to come out. And if there is some type of disclosure that they're actually willing to talk about, then he's the one who would come out to announce it. And that's what some people were hoping he was going to talk about during this hearing. But obviously, that didn't happen. In fact, it was quite the opposite by him saying that they haven't found anything of substance to point to alien life or, you know, non-human, I think is the term you're going to hear about a lot. Instead of alien, they're going to talk, they're going to say non-human. So just just remember that term non-human. You're going to hear that a lot within the government circles when it comes to these hearings um, or their, you know, their official testimonies and things of that nature. So he actually came out and said quite the opposite, that they haven't found any indications of non-human technology. But we'll let you know if we do. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm not a little bit more optimistic. I apologize. But he also went on to say that he talked about people like you and me. Talked about, you know, people like us who look into these things independently. Talk about them independently. And here's what he had to say, I guess, about the, well, I guess about the UFO slash UAP community. Here's here was his comment there. For those few cases that have leaked to the public previously and subsequently commented on by the U.S. government, I encourage those who hold alternative theories or views to submit your research to credible peer-reviewed scientific journals. Arrow is working very hard to do the same. That is how science works, not by blog or social media. Oh, well, excuse me, not by blog or social media. Sorry, we're not following your science, doctor. I don't know, that just rubs me the wrong way. I'm sorry, maybe I'm being disrespectful to a government official. I apologize for that, but it just it just rubs me the wrong way because it discredits people like me, like you, who do independent research, who look into these things, who... You know, it's it's like they're it's like they're trying to call you silly or stupid or you don't know what you're talking about when you can easily look back and see 80 years worth of data that shows the contrary. I mean, that's just in modern history. Don't even get me started on the ancient alien phenomena. Okay, so when it talk when you talk about well, we're the experts and you don't know what you're talking about because we have government or uh, you know uh, scientific peer-reviewed papers and we go through the scientific we we do it scientifically, not through blogs and social media. Well, you know what? Maybe sometimes you should listen to the people who are on the blogs or who do the podcasts. You know, hint hint, and maybe you should listen to some of those people instead of you know hiding your heads in the sand. Let's, let, I'm sorry. Again, I probably, I get a little heated. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just annoying. I mean, you know, it feels like they're trying to downgrade what we do here. And I don't, I don't like that. Instead, we should be coming out and maybe telling the truth about some things. And I did find interesting saying, you know, well, some of the things that have gotten out to the public, you know, whether he's talking about the uh, USS Nimitz Tic Tac, you know, that, that famous video or, you know, the spinning UFO video that was also caught back about almost 10 years ago. Um, 
I think it was uh, the gimbal video, they call it. You know, those sorts of things. Or the Mosul Orb, which actually was disclosed. That was one of the really only interesting things as far as disclosure was concerned to come out of the congressional hearing. They did show that video, and I'm going to have much more to say about the Mosul Orb later on in a different episode. That's a little teaser for a different time. But as we start to explore and move on here to this episode right now, episode 67, as we come out of the factoid there and what happened a few days ago, we're going to look into these astronaut disclosures. And I've always found it worthwhile, at least first to say real quick, why I find this to be such an important discussion to talk about um, disclosure from astronauts or from NASA employees, because we've mentioned all types of pilots all the different types of eyewitnesses, all the testimony that they give and their sightings. We've talked about all that before, whether they be civilian or military. And we've covered a lot in that area, I think. And I hope we've done a good job. But to me, that is a very worthy discussion to have because those are highly credible witnesses who understand the hows and whys of aviation. So when you take that into account and then add in someone of that caliber who has actually traveled through space before... Okay, you can see why this is something that I have been chopping at the bit to get into when it comes to astronaut disclosure. To me, that is one of the most highly qualified individuals to talk on something like this. So with all that said, what do you say we start this off by looking into claims from a former astronaut who claimed that aliens are among us now and they have been and they've come here to help prevent nuclear war which is an interesting thing to hear an astronaut say because that is something that we've theorized before here about on on the show. And he says, and by he, I mean Edgar D. Mitchell, who is an Apollo 14 astronaut, okay? This is, this is the real deal. Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar D. Mitchell. is one of the most famous names from the space program, really, to come out and openly speak on an extraterrestrial presence here on Earth. So to put this into perspective, just to kind of give you background on this guy, who he is, his resume, so to speak, we're talking about a guy who is an MIT grad, decorated military aviator, and who, of course, you know, walked on the moon. So I'd say that makes for a pretty reliable source, in my opinion, okay? He said it all started for him once he flew into space. He said he felt this this type of awareness and even maybe like a realization he said that there is so much more out there. And after he came back to Earth from his Apollo 14 mission, he began to investigate the origins of alien life and even started to look into what type of presence they might have here on Earth. He even went on expeditions into the Amazon forest with none other than Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon. He said, hey, Neil, we got to look into this stuff. And they went together into Amazonian expeditions to look into different you know, ways of saying maybe this is where alien life came or left clues or, you know, different things like that. But they traveled together looking for essentially clues of alien life that had existed on Earth. But then he began to do interviews toward the end of his life um, because he, he has passed away recently. And as he was doing these interviews, he talked about what he found out about ET involvement in our earthly affairs. Here's a bit of an interview that he did with a National Geographic back in 2013. Listen to a little bit of what he said there. Being in the military and an aviator for many years, uh, I knew that pilots all over the world, uh, military pilots, airline pilots, encounter them all the time. 
because I grew up in Roswell, I know most of the predominant investigators in the UFO field because um, of those Roswell connections. And so I have no doubts about it now. So, I mean, all right, <laughs> no doubts. I mean, the, the, you hear what he says there at the end. I have no doubts about it now. Again, this was 10 years ago toward the end of um, uh, Mitchell's life where he's talking in these interviews saying he has no doubt about an alien presence on Earth and, you know, what they were here for, which we'll get to in just a second. And again, when you when you're talking about not only a guy who was in space, who walked on the moon, but a guy who grew up in Roswell on top of that and has these military sources, people in his ear. I mean, just just alone, if, if you were talking about a guy who grew up in Roswell and had military sources telling him things that alone would tell me, OK, this is somebody that I'm going to pay attention to. But then you add to the fact his military background, his aviation background, and that he walked on the moon. This is one of the most reliable sources I think we've ever covered here on UAP. So he goes on to say with those sources that he's spoken to, with the knowledge that he had, he says that he was told that aliens were heavily involved in shooting down our ICBM missile tests off the West Coast and even shutting down our nuclear facilities. Now, these are things we've heard before, so it shouldn't come as really a shock. But when he gave this claim during a, a different interview, he talked about those things uh, back in 2015 when he talked to, uh, I think it's a UK media outlet called The Mirror. I believe that comes out of, out of the UK, uh, The uh, Mirror. And he said, quote, this is I'm reading directly here from what he said during this interview. He said, I have spoken to many Air Force officers who worked at those silos during the Cold War. They told me UFOs were frequently seen o overhead and often disabled their missiles. He went on to say other officers from bases on the Pacific coast told me that their test missiles were frequently shot down by alien space, uh, spacecraft. He finished off by saying there was a lot of activity in those days. Now, again, those are claims that should not really come as a shock to you. And the thing is, for me, it almost vindicated some of the things that we've talked about here on the podcast throughout the throughout its existence. Talking about, you know, specifically if you're talking, if you're saying uh, ICBM missile tests that were shot down, I think right away about Vandenberg Air Force Base, Big Sur, California, shot down back in 1964. It was a, it was an ICBM test that was shot down mid-flight by UFO that was talked about by Robert Sala saying that, yeah, this is something that happened. This is something that, you know, I was witness to. It's a famous story. So for, you know, Edgar Mitchell to come out and say, yeah, I have sources that tell me those things were happening. Or even back, you know, the episode we did the, the, the day the nukes went dead. One of the very first episodes we did here on UAP talking about Malmstrom Air Force Base in 1967, where it was reported these, you know, strange glowing lights were overhead of Malmstrom Air Force Base. And all of a sudden, the entire defense system went down and all the nukes went dead. So to hear him saying these things that, you know, we've spoken about before together on the show and then to say that, yeah, these are things that I've been told. It does feel like vindication of sorts to those famous stories that, that we've covered and that have been out there for 60 years now. So I found that really intriguing to hear Edgar Mitchell say, yeah, those things uh, I've been told all that, you know. Missiles being shot down, nuclear silos being shut down. It makes you wonder, you know, is that part of the mission 
from an alien race? Or are they trying to protect us? Or are they trying to protect us from ourselves? I don't know. But that was that's what he was saying when it comes to them, you know, shutting down nuclear facilities and shooting down missiles. It makes you wonder why those things are happening. But going back to his 2013 interview with uh, National Geographic, we just go back to that real quick. He finished off by saying this when he was asked about what aliens might be doing here, just in general. I think just observing our progress. They're looking to see what is taking place on this planet. So observing our progress to protect us, is it observing a progress like, you know, to use an analogy, if you're a parent and you're observing your child to see, okay, I know that they're climbing on top of the kitchen counter right now, but let me observe and see why are they doing that? Are they trying to grab something from the cupboard, from a cabinet, or are they going to jump off and make believe they're Superman? Let me observe their progress, and I'll jump in to make sure they don't hurt themselves if I see that they're going too far. Is it that type of observing the progress where they're shooting down our missiles and shutting down nuclear facilities? Or are they observing our progress to see, okay, how much are they catching up to us in technology? You know, these are all theories that we can talk about, but... I do find it really fascinating that, you know, a famous astronaut, a decorated astronaut like Edgar Mitchell, somebody who's co- who had come out to say these things and talk about it openly. But from astronaut disclosure to a NASA higher up turned whistleblower, actually, what are we to make of the claims made by a man named Dr. Ken Johnston? If you don't know who that is, let's learn a little bit more about him as we turn the page here and talk about our NASA whistleblower. Here's a little bit about Dr. Ken Johnston. In the 1960s, Ken Johnston was a NASA test pilot, but later as director of the Data and Photo Control Department at the Johnson Space Flight Center. He says on one of the moon missions, the astronauts came back with intriguing photographs. Okay, so intriguing photographs. What are these intriguing photographs? I'm intrigued about what what did he see? Well, Dr. Johnston claims that NASA knows that astronauts discovered what he believes to be ancient alien cities and the remains of advanced machinery on the moon. He says that some of these technologies can even manipulate gravity. And he's saying that those are some of the things that he saw in these photographs, as well as secrets that he learned working as a higher up at NASA. So what do I mean by a higher up? Well, For reference, Dr. Johnston was not just some guy who worked at NASA, okay? He wasn't just, you know, a guy pushing buttons, so to speak. Not to say those aren't important people. They're a lot smarter than me. But this dude was the real deal. He was one of only four civilian astronaut consultant pilots. Okay, civilian. As a consultant working at NASA, what did he do there as a consultant? He trained Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, And Michael Collins. Yeah, that's right. He trained the crew of the Apollo 11 mission. He also, he was also a a retired aerospace engineer and former active duty uh, Marine. So, I mean, it doesn't get more real than that type of guy right there. So when you're talking about someone who, oh, you know, if you want to try to disprove it, well, he's just making it up. He's, you know, just uh, trying to get attention. Because he wants some fame and some and some, uh, some glory. This is a guy who was just working at NASA and wanted some attention. I mean, maybe. But does that sound like the type of guy to you that would be looking for attention and just making things up? I don't know. I mean, that's up to you to decide, I suppose. But 
Here's more from Dr. Johnson. Here's in his own words, okay, about the picture he claims proves that NASA is hiding the truth. He talks about that right here. I was in kind of shock. And some of the craters would actually show domes and actual bases. All right, so bases on the moon. We've heard that before, right, on previous episodes. So it's not the most wild claim we've heard here on UAP. But what's really interesting here is what else Ken says. What happened after he saw those pictures of these supposed bases on the moons that he, or on the moon that he saw in the craters on the moon? What happened when he brought it to his NASA administrator, his boss? Well, we'll let him continue. And we argued a little bit. He finally said, I don't care what you do, just get rid of those pictures that were taken. Get rid of them. Get him out of here. That's what he says. So if you're talking about a guy like Ken Johnson who trained the Apollo 11 mission astronauts and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins, and he's, you know, a a head administrator there at NASA. He's part of this photography, you know, department, and he's in charge of going through these pictures, and he's saying that he's seen these dome structures in the craters, and then he's hearing this response of, well, just get rid of them. Why would you want to get rid of them? I mean, what was NASA in, you know, we believe Dr. Johnston's story, what were they trying to hide by getting rid of these pictures? Were they trying to hide the existence of, you know, an advanced alien civilization on the moon or an ancient alien civilization on the moon? Were these old structures, these domed structure, these bases, whatever you want to call them, that were sitting there on the moon? He's talking about seeing the pictures and being told to get rid of them. Now, obviously, he refused. If you're wondering what happened to these pictures, he refused to destroy them. And he says that he was fired for disobeying the orders after he also refused to resign. So his story is they asked him to say, "Okay, you know, I've had enough. I'm just going to resign my position. But he also refused to do that. So he says they just fired him at that point. According to the reports, though, he is not the only one to claim that NASA has known more about alien life than they've been letting it on to. Apparently, in the last 40 years, other scientists and engineers have accused NASA of cover-ups and withholding data. So it's not just Dr. Johnston. There has been a growing number of people who are accusing NASA of withholding information about things such as anomalous space objects and even lying about discovering artifacts on the surface of the moon and Mars. I mean, if we're talking about things like that, you know, whether it's pictures of weird spacecraft that have been caught on, you know, live streams of NASA from from um, the, the not the space shuttle, but the um, space station. Jeez, I couldn't think there for a second from the space station. There has been claims that, you know, independent watchers, people who watch these streams have caught images and then all of a sudden those images disappear there's been plenty of stories about you know pictures of things on the moon that they tried to make disappear and they tried to disprove you know things on mars we've there's always been pictures from Mar- nasa rovers on mars that people have brought out and said hey look at this and nasa says no no that's not the case so there's always these different stories in the you know the he said she said back and forth of nasa and you know just independent people who study these things or people who have worked there, engineers and whatnot, who say that, yeah, they are withholding information. They are withholding data. So who's telling the truth? 
is the question right now, right? Now, Dr. Johnston maintains that NASA did withhold the photographic evidence taken by Apollo astronauts that shows proof of alien structures. He says that was part of the mission. That was part of the mission of Apollo was to go up and take these pictures, and NASA is is keeping them under wraps. Some even suggest that these are ancient alien structures built by the Anunnaki. So not only ancient alien structures, but from the Anunnaki themselves. And if you're not familiar with the, with the Anunnaki, I mean, we've talked about them before, previous episodes when it came to uh, ancient Egyptian, you know, technology and all the ancient alien talk when it goes back to Egypt. So you can make of that what you will, but it's a claim nevertheless that maybe the Anunnaki were the ones who built these so-called ancient structures or domes on the moon. Now, for me, when I think about all this, there's a burning question that that stays with me, and that is why, right? We always have to ask why. Why would a man of Dr. Johnston's stature essentially throw it all away, ruin his reputation in the public eye or from his peers, and make these claims, right? If you, It's a big deal if you have NASA attached to your name, if you have I trained Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong and Michael Collins attached to your your resume, it's a big deal to come out and make these claims because, let's face it, you're always going to have that contingency of people who say, well, you're just crazy. And it's that then that follows you. No matter what you did through your career or your life, if someone thinks you're crazy, that's going to follow you around forever. So why make these claims? Why put all of that at risk? Well, he says he did it because he had nothing to lose anymore since he was fired for not taking those orders to get rid of the pictures. He says the other reason for being a whistleblower, I mean, so to speak, I guess in the different interviews that I watched with him or what I read about Dr. Johnson, he doesn't like to be called a whistleblower, but I mean, he's a whistleblower. So he says he became that really he just because he wanted to let the public know what was really going on behind the scenes It's really very simple. He says he feels that we deserve to know as the American public or just the public of the world that he want and he wanted to be the one to say what was going on. He wanted to be the one to let us know what was happening. So, again, you make up your own mind on the validity of his claims, but that's a guy with a pretty good stature when it comes to his background. So that's that's what I'll say. It's pretty interesting, though. Nonetheless, I mean, you talk about being in the know and those are his claims. It's uh, it's thought-provoking, if nothing else, I would say. And I'll leave you with this today. I know it's a little bit shorter here today, which is fine, though. I think, you know, uh, quality over quantity sometimes is, is a good thing. This is the last little morsel uh, I'll have you chew on, even though, actually, this is more like a chunk rather than a morsel, if I'm being honest. This this clip I'm about, I'm about to play here was from a 1998 interview with an astronaut named Gordon Cooper. Gordon Cooper is a guy who flew into space twice as part of the Gemini and Mercury projects. Now, those predated the Apollo missions that went to the moon. Those were, you know, the the preliminary missions going to space, orbiting the Earth, things like that. He passed away back in 2004, Gordon Cooper. But before he did, he opened up about an encounter he had at Edwards Air Force Base back in 1957. And he was very candid about... What he saw, I mean, to say the least, he was very candid. So here's the clip from Gordon Cooper. Again, astronaut, 
flew up into space a couple of times. This was from a 1998 interview. He's a little hard to understand because obviously he was older. He's talking kind of fast, kind of low. But I you think you can make out what he says here. Um, and it's a little long, but it's it's worth it. So here's what Gordon Cooper had to say about his encounters. I was having some cameramen film the installation of a, of a precision landing facility we were putting in right on the edge of the dry lake. And this saucer flew right over him and put down three little gear and landed out on the dry lake bed. And they went out to uh, pick up their cameras and moved on out toward him filming. And he left it off, put the gear back in the well, and climbed out at a very high rate of speed and disappeared. And so while I was uh, going through all the regulation books and finding out the number to call in Washington to report it, uh, I had them go over and develop the film. In my opinion, I think they were worried that it would panic the public if they knew that someone had vehicles that had this kind of performance way back right after World War II, period of time. So they started telling lies about it. And then I think they had to cover another lie, you know, tell another lie to cover their first lie, and now they don't know how to get out of it. Now it's going to be so embarrassing to admit that all these administrations have, uh, have told a lot of untruths that it's going to be embarrassing to get out of it. I mean, I got to tell you, that is hard for me to refute. <laughs> that sounds like to me a guy who was just willing to tell the truth of what happened and what he saw and to say, yeah, you know, I saw this flying saucer land and we took the pictures and... Uh, you know, they told me, actually, they told him to get rid of it. I left that part out. The, the film was never seen, of course, right? The film was never seen. He says it was taken by a courier. He was told to leave it, and it would be taken by a courier back to D.C., and it was never seen again from there. And this is something that, when you talk about the reasons he gives, you know, not to panic people, whatever it might be, whether it's to withhold technology for reverse engineering purposes or not to panic the public and say, oh my gosh, aliens actually landed, ah, run for your life. You know, whatever reason you might think it is to withhold that information, it's really, really intriguing to hear a guy like Gordon Cooper, an astronaut himself, tell that story six years before he passed away. I mean, he passed away in 2004. He told that story in 1998 on on an interview. So that to me sounds like a, a guy who was relating what he saw and was telling the truth. That's my opinion. You make of it what you will. But I think one thing that is hard to argue after talking about all this today is that all these guys, not just Gordon Cooper or one or the other, but all these guys that we spoke about were and are certainly in the know. I don't think there's there's no arguing that. They are in the know. So does that make their claims true? You decide, as we always say here on UAP. But that'll do it for now on the Unidentified Alien Podcast on this episode 67. I'm so glad that I was finally able to come on here and, and do this for you, do this with you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. As always, you can always follow the show on Twitter at UA Podcast 850 You can reach out to me directly right there. Any feedback that you have, good or bad, whatever it is, it's fine. I always love hearing from you either way. This isn't a place where we're going to call you crazy or anything like that. So anything that you have happened to you, I'm always willing to relate that as well on the show if you feel comfortable enough for me to tell your story. If you want to relate anything to me as well on the Twitter account, at UA Podcast 850 anything you have to say, you can reach out to me there as far as far uh, as far as the show goes. And of course, continue to download and subscribe wherever you get the podcast, whether it's Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Really appreciates the amount of you who have done that. You have no idea what that means to me. I mean, the way that the show keeps growing. I know I, I would always say, oh, wow, you know, the, the, the numbers are amazing, what you guys are doing. I want to let you know that hasn't changed. Um, and what really means a lot, if I could just get a little sappy here for a second before we go, I don't pretend like, you know, that Karen isn't on the show anymore. 
Um, I love Karen. I know a lot of you reached out to me about, about Karen Curtis. She was on this show with me for a long time, and she's a great friend of mine. We were friends before this show started. We're friends now after she's left the show. So I don't pretend like, you know, she wasn't on here with me for, you know, 60-something episodes. I cherish those times that we got to do the show together. I love doing it with her. But, you know, for all the inquiries that I've gotten, I understand that you miss her. I miss her, too. She's fine to answer all those questions if you're wondering where she's been. Karen's fine. She just moved on to another company, another another venture, I guess you could say, you know, in corporate speak. So that's why she's not doing the show with me anymore. So the fact that you stuck around... Even though it's, you know, just little old me, Stephen Diener, doing the show by myself now. The fact that you've stuck around and actually the fact that the show, quite frankly, has increased in in listenership really means a lot. Because, again, just to be honest and maybe a little sappy, I was kind of scared um, to see what was going to happen kind of going out on my own after Karen and I parted ways on the show. Again, not in a bad way. That's just the way life goes sometimes. But... After that happened, I was. I was scared. I was like, you know, what if people don't like it anymore? What if they don't like me? What if you guys don't like me? So I'm just, I'm very happy and I'm pleased and I'm flattered. It means a lot to me that you've continued to listen to the show and enjoy the show. And hopefully you still continue to do that in the future. And also, just to touch on something real quick, um, I've also heard from you saying that some of the previous episodes where we say, go to our blog. It's on 850WFTL.com. We have pictures of this, pictures of that, things we've spoken about on the show. Those pictures aren't there anymore. I apologize for that. There were some licensing issues, apparently, or some fear of licensing issues, whatever it might have been. So those pictures aren't there anymore. So if you listen to the old episodes, if this is like your first time listening to UAP and you're like, oh, let me go listen to the other ones, and we say, oh, go to 850WFTL.com to see these pictures, almost all those pictures are gone. So I just want you to know that, it's you know, not to sound silly in those old episodes, you'll discover if you go look for those pictures we talk about that relate to the subjects that we're covering in the episode they're most likely not there anymore and the reason was because i guess fears of licensing issues or whatever it was with those pictures so just some things i wanted to mention before we were done here today so thank you for uh humoring me the time the couple minutes to say that here at the end of the episode but i will be back again next time on uap the unidentified alien podcast for episode 68 I'm going to look forward to talking to you about something that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, which was the Mosul Orb. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty recent phenomenon out of uh, Iraq. And I'm going to get into um, maybe even something that we haven't spoken about before with how these UAP, these UFOs, might be able to move the way that they move, you know, with the speed and the agility and the sudden right angles and the instantaneous acceleration There's something that we haven't spoken about before that might be a cause of how these these craft are moving the way that they're moving. So a lot of good stuff to get into on the future episodes of UAP, especially for the one right there coming up, episode 68, next time. So until then, until next time on that episode 68, it's Stephen Diener right here signing off on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Again, remember, you can continue to download the show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow the show right there on Twitter at UAPodcast850. But until then, until next time, it's Stephen Diener. Hopefully you enjoyed this one and all the future episodes and all the past episodes. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.